Welcome to Here and Now podcast. I'm Heather. And I'm Sophia. We bring you the stories, the heart, and the humor needed for this journey called life. Join us each week to hear the conversations of a mom, that's me, and a daughter, that's me, and the stories of where others hear God's voice as he brings truth, beauty, and good in their lives right now. This is Here and Now Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Here and Now Podcast, episode 101, Preparing the Way. So we could say maybe this is like a college course, like 101 for how do we prepare for Lent? And I'm still learning that. How about you, Sophia? Yeah, thankfully I've moved on from 101 classes at this point. I'm in the upper levels of my major, but as far as Lent goes, it's never going to move past 101. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something we all should probably learn. So how are you doing this week? This is our first official podcast together, not a recap, not me as a guest, not me interviewing you and all the things. Nope. This is, this is the real deal. I'm excited. This is good. This is like the perfect time to do it because by the time this episode comes out, it will be ending February and just getting into a new season for Lent. So I'm excited. Exciting is true. And we have a lot of great people that will be, that are waiting in the wings to join us on this podcast and share about where they're hearing God in their life right now. I know we just booked our first one today. I'm very excited. We'll share very soon who that is going to be, but it's a perfect guest for the season. Well, maybe not just booking the first one, but the first one that's going to be our first schedule. Yes. Our first scheduled one is for next week. Right. Yeah. I know, but I'm really, it's kind of crazy. Like when you, you came up to visit last week since our last episode. Yeah. So we were in, we were on college campus 101 last week, right? (laughs) It's been six months since I've been sort of on that campus ground. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You guys have been here since August, which was the perfect time because last time you were here, we were shorts. We were sweating our butts off moving in. And this week we were freezing our butts off because Ohio is cold and snowy. Although I would like to say that we left um, East Pennsylvania, you know, Southeast Pennsylvania, i.e. Philadelphia area. And it was like 50 some degrees last Friday. And then as we approached the Western part of Pennsylvania, it got colder and grayer and, and then it was flurrying most of the weekend. And then we came home to snow here. So I know, well, thankfully the sun is out today. It is indeed beautiful Sunday. It's so cold, but spring is on the horizon. So I'm very excited. Excellent. So we're recording this on Sunday. Yeah. As we all prepare for our, um, Lent season. Not just the week ahead, but Lent. (laughs) Yes, it is. We're preparing for because I know there there is this this three-week time where people prepare for Lent to prepare for (laughs) their hearts for God, right? Yeah. And I know that there have been seasons where I had a lot of deep diving into all the Bible studies, all the books that I've read, the prayer groups that we've worked with, the church formation events that I would visit with the definitely extra masses during the week that I would go to, Mm -hmm. but that is not the season for me. How about you? What's your season like? (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. This is going to be an adventure. It's going to be the first Lent that I've had away from home. And I know that doesn't sound as dramatic as it is, but for me, like 
we had our Latin traditions that we would do. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to just kind of experiencing it as a whole with a campus that's as dedicated to the faith as Franciscan. I definitely know that the people here are starting to prepare. They're already talking about like the masses. And I've, I've heard that Lent and Easter at Franciscan is probably the most beautiful time of the year to be here. And I'm very excited for that. You know, we have pretty much 24-7 access, at least to adoration. And then as far as the other sacraments go, like multiple times daily access to those as well. I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to take it one day at a time. I'm not really, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, you're talking about this. I just feel like there's a desire to like have a perfect Lent. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to strive for that this year as much as I have in the past and kind of just like letting God work where he needs to this season. Cause it's been a change for all of us, especially in our family. So indeed. And I'm thinking as we're talking, and this was not part of my planning before now, <laughs> I'm, thinking <laughs> I'm just going to pull up a, an RV to the campus and stay at that back parking lot. And then just do roll it. over adoration 24 <laughs> seven. Do it. Just do it. Because yeah. I know it'll be hard for us in, in the season where I am that it's probably going to be a little bit more interior life focused. And I'm reading the way of the, the way of the heart from Henry Nowen in the mm-hmm. big compilation book that his, of his, that I love. It's the eight essential titles, which the spiritual life is the book. And I've been on and off reading this for the last year or so. I'm in a section on prayer, but I'll come back to that. But I think about how I'm really going to be challenged with getting to mass as I am currently with, you know, being a caretaker role. I mean, we can, make moves and do things certain times of the day, but they don't always align with the calendars and the schedules that the masses are offered at churches. And and I'm I'm the person driving places and, you know, things are just a little bit different for us right now, but I could do that if I just rolled out of bed and rolled over to the the chapel there and had adoration. (laughs) It's just kind of nice when you can just look out your window and be like, well, I should be there. And then I just pull my blanket up. I'm like, well, I'm cozy here too. God knows, right. And then but... we could see my favorite fr- friar out there, Father Jonathan St. Andre, you know, we got to I invitation know. into his home last week, which was so beautiful and yes, um, got to spend time with him and see him twice before we, when we first arrived. And then he's got a solace as we were about to pull out of the parking lot, which was really cool. Yeah. So. It was really nice to be in the same place for a little bit. Mm-hmm. with you guys. So you can just kind of experience like the everyday life of Franciscan because when you were here first, it was just very like hustle bustle with moving in and orientation, but now you just got to see it in action. Um, yes, just, it was our own parents weekend of sorts, you know, because we were scheduled to come back to parents weekend and um, that kind of got thrown off the calendar a little bit, oh, but yeah. you had parents weekend at home and then, you know, it was kind of nice. It mm-hmm. was very nice. All circumstances considering, I guess, <laughs> just yeah. the overall, but yeah, I mean, so you're, you're talking about the interior life of land. Right. So some seasons force us to look through all these other vehicles like books and studies. And that's just where our maybe spiritual journey is to want to look outward in a way for guidance, maybe because mm-hmm. we need guidance and some seasons are calling us to really focus interiorly. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, I think this is one that I really feel like is where I am this year. It's calling us to like a solitude as, as we want to really just draw closer to God, which is really the ultimate goal of this in some ways. Right. So I was reading this um, book and there's a part where it says 
pray always to pray always. This is the real purpose of the desert life. Right. And, you know, in Lent, we're looking through the, you know, our desert, right. To try to <laughs> find and encounter God and solitude and silence can never be separated by the call of un unceasing prayer. If solitude were primarily an escape from a busy job and silence primarily an escape from a noisy milieu, they could easily become very self-centered forms of asceticism. But solitude and silence are for prayer. The Desert Fathers, you want to tell me all who those Desert Fathers are? <laughs> I know St. Anthony, let's talk about it. You know all of them. Yeah. Did not think of solitude as being alone, but as being alone with God. So we often think solitude is, ah, I just need some time alone. Really, sometimes that time alone is just to sit and be silent to hear God and where he wants to work in our lives, right? And they didn't, they, the so desert fathers, that is, they did not think of silence as not speaking, but listening. So we often think that when we're in prayer life, that we're always just silence is just to go tell him what we need to go, but it's really just being quiet enough to hear his voice, right? And, and how it works in our, our lives and the things that we're trying to work through in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have something you wanted to say to that? Yeah. It was funny because today's gospel or today's homily, it's always interesting to have so many friars on campus because they all offer such a different perspective about the gospel. And this one particular priest, Father, I think it was Father Sean who did mass today. He's very much just very hard guy, like just sticks by the book kind of thing. But his homilies are always very deep in thought. And he was talking a lot about like, when we pray, most of the time we go to God just to ask for something. I don't know. It was just, that just stuck out to me that it's just <laughs> prayers sometimes more than like, I pray for this. And it was like the additional part of that was like, when somebody asks you for prayers, it's, it's like a formality. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it was, it was very interesting to hear about that today. Interesting. So, and that goes with the other part of this quote that I, I had read in this, you know, book, I think I read it to you a little while ago, just to share it with you, that one of the things about praying is that when we say to people, I will pray for you, mm -hmm. we make a very important commitment to them, right? Right. And um, this is quoting from the same book that I'm talking about, just so we know, I'm not, these are not my words. This is yeah. Alan's words. The sad thing is that this remark, I will pray for you, often remains nothing but a well-meant expression of concern. But when we learn to descend with our mind into our heart, then all those who have become part of our lives are led into the healing presence of God and are touched by him in the center of our, center of our being. Mm -hmm. We are speaking here about a mystery for which words are inadequate. Is, it is this mystery that the heart, which is the center of our being, is transformed by God into his own heart heart large enough to embrace the entire universe. Just think about that. Mm -hmm. through, through prayer, we can carry in our heart all human pain and sorrow, all conflicts and agony, all torture and war, all hunger, loneliness, misery, not because, ready for this, some <laughs> great psychological or emotional capacity, but because God's heart has become one with ours. Hmm. So, Dang. right. That just kind of brings it back to what you're saying. Like we're praying and asking for, but then it's just the prayer to, to deepen our connection with God. And we can do that, you know, yeah. by really entering into that prayerful thought, not just saying it as a passive, Hey, I'm praying for you, but to really deepen that 
What does that mean? What are you saying when you're praying for somebody, right? I know. And I've had a lot of people actually come to me over the past few weeks that I'm very blessed to have asked, like, will you pray for me? And I'm like, yes, of course. Or somebody tells me something while well, I'll be keeping you in my prayers or whatever. But I do know that just by human fault, sometimes like I, I know I told them I would pray for them, but like, where am I actually taking the action to do so? So I've made it a point to, to actually do that and mm-hmm. actually follow through with what I told him I was going to do. And I told somebody that I was keeping them in my prayers and offered up a mass for them. And she's like, wow, that's very interesting. Cause I just felt very peaceful as you were telling me that. And, you know, she's in a very stressful situation right now. And she's like, I should be freaking out, but I'm not. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, I guess it's the power of prayer, you know, like that's just kind of how it works. But it's just something, like you said, it's something we say in passing. It's a formality. It's just sometimes it doesn't actually take action. And uh, I know I'm at fault for sometimes doing that. I'm sure we all are too. So Right. And and to think about that in, in the context of Lent, in a, in a way, I was just talking to a friend of ours at, on the mm-hmm. phone just before we started talking. And she was telling me, I'd asked her about something with Lent and she shared the story that she, ha- you know, prayer can be in so many different ways, but like even uniting ourselves to somebody and what their suffering is, right? So maybe you're, maybe you're not necessarily, necessarily praying specifically with a particular set of words, right? Because sometimes words are really not even, sometimes we don't have words. You know, I know a lot of people often tell me they don't have the right words to even offer for our situation with, you know, your dad having all of these things go on and, mm-hmm. There's just, I mean, all we can do is pray for peace and healing and, and courage and strength because we just, you know, it's whatever God's will is in this situation with his brain cancer and mm-hmm. healing from his stroke. And, but this friend said that during Lent, her most powerful and transformative, I guess, fasting or, or giving up that she had chosen was to give up heat mm. in her car during the winter months. Right. And, you know, in this area, we get cold winter, 20 degrees. <laughs> oh. Yeah. feels like zero when it's 20, whatever. I know. Um, and she gave up heat and she said it was so transformative. And she did that so that she could unite herself to the suffering of the homeless. And, you know, we give up, you know, probably remember when you guys were little and the whole giving up thing was not part of my language per se as a, as a child, but, you know, as teenager and on, when I, I started to become more informed and, you know, touched by the Catholic faith in that concept, I started to hear it a little different. What, what are we giving it up for? What does it mean? And then when you guys were, you kids were in school, I started to understand it a little bit more. Even if you might've said, I'm giving up candy or I'm giving up (laughs) being on my screen. I don't know, whatever those things were. I still don't think that we always understand what the point of that, even with fasting, what is the purpose of fasting? you know, if we're uniting in prayer and fasting, you know, the suffering. And when your brother was going through all of his, his retreat leadership that he was doing and, Mm -hmm. and that concept that was really becoming a conversation in our house, how fasting was something that he was doing when he was writing letters for some of these classmates of his and, and the priest that was running that the friar that was running his retreat, he would take a, a day to fast or yeah, pray yeah. for each of these students in that particular class or that that retreat that was coming up. You know, it's it's the idea of taking withdrawing something so that we can f- align ourselves with the suffering, not just of the homeless, but even to align ourselves with the suffering of Christ on the cross. Yeah, right. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, and it's always interesting too. I think people forget that 
while giving up something is awesome and usually that's the point of life sometimes it's also like the addition of something that could be a sacrifice too where I know on this campus, the 6.30 a.m. masses are going to be very popular because people are going to sacrifice that little bit of sleep just so they could get to mass. It's hard, and I had to do it last semester for ministry, and it was it was hard, but it was also very, it was very nice to start off our week because we would go Monday morning, 6.30 a.m., which is the worst time <laughs> to get out of bed, but I feel like people are just going to take that extra step And I feel like that's a very good way, whether it's adding in an additional rosary a day or Divine Mercy Chaplet or reading the Bible for an extra 10 minutes or something, because the sacrifice can come in a way of not necessarily withdrawing, but almost like the addition of. And I think in my mind, when you were younger, that was always something that was, uh, I think, a conversation in our house that wasn't just, just give up candy. Well, that's just candy, right? Yeah. What, what, and there's suffering for that, but what can you also do to be more like, you know, more loving, more this, more, you know, more, you know, Christ-like, right? So that was always something. So I, I definitely think adding in, and that's probably where even beyond that, that I would start to go to mass during the week more because right. I would choose to do that as my sacrifice versus whatever other option that I would have um, chosen at that time. Right. Yeah. And, and I, here we are. I, I think people would approach it very different or people approach it very differently in the way that they think about it, because that it's like you're forcing yourself to suffer, but it's not necessarily like that. Right. And it's really hard to kind of explain to people that it's not like choosing to suffer and in a negative sense, but it's like choosing to suffer because in the long run it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to earn you that eternal life in heaven. And that's, that should be, if it's not, that is the goal of our lives, especially as Catholics, but for all people is to desire and seek that immortal eternal life with God in heaven. And, And tell me what your thoughts are on why that suffering aligns us that way. I mean, or why does it bring us to that? What, what have you encountered in your your younger life to be able to understand that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess just, well, first of all, from the education that I've had as a, as a formal, former theology major, I didn't get very far in that, but just the, the simple fact that we were made in the image and likeness of God means that we also were experiencing and how he experienced that suffering too. I don't know. It's something, I guess I really haven't thought it through, but it's just something Mm -hmm. that like, makes sense and I guess I can't really explain it (laughs) but like I said it it just makes sense like it just seems right to know that like our sufferings and how we do things on a day-to-day basis you know because God didn't have to come to earth and save us he didn't have to but he did willingly and we should do the same you know we we should willingly make sacrifices and I feel like suffer is a very um, strong word to use in this this point but if you say like making sacrifices even if they're tiny little sacrifices all in all they add up over time. Right so it doesn't have to be this great gesture of sacrifice. I mean some people can do that and some people have the capacity to do that in some way or another right but it doesn't have to be such a huge 
you know, suffering to, you know, you're not, you're not withdrawing everything. And some people choose to withdraw food completely when they're fasting, but that isn't always the recommendation or the nest, the need, correct? Is that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's different for everybody. And I, like I said, a lot of people have this go big or go home mentality when it comes to Mm -hmm. making sacrifices during Lent, whether like it, it should be something that is hard for you. And if people are like, I'm going to go give up candy, but you don't ever eat candy anyway. It's, it's a, it's a fair, it's an unfair point to make. God wants to see like you actually making strides in your faith and in your life to align your will with his. And at this moment during Lent, (laughs) because, you know, Jesus suffered in the desert for 40 days without food and water. That's where this whole concept come from. Right. Of, of Lent, um, where he was tempted by the devil to indulge and eat and, you know, just give up on his fasting and prayer and almsgiving. But that, that entire concept revolves or is the basis for how Lent works is the devil's going to try and tempt us anyway, but we need to remain steadfast and just keep going in our sacrifice anyway. Right. Right. And so it, it's also beautiful to be able to do all these books and the studies and the reading and, and, you know, if, if it's creating stress versus sacrifice, is that yes. being, I would say that's probably not the goal, right. That we try to over overdo like all the things, like we want to do all these things, we want to read the books. We want to read the, we have all the pressure to do all the things right. And be, mm-hmm. be everywhere. And in, join every, every commitment or whatever. Right. But that doesn't necessarily create the suffering or sacrifice that actually is in alignment with what God is, where we would find God almost. That's almost like, that's like the devil where he says, get behind me. Right. Because you're, that's actually not even the, an accurate, I'm believing that's not an accurate kind of concept per se. No, it, it, it's almost like it needs to be like a beautiful, worthy sacrifice in a way. And like you were saying, if it's like, I can't read all these books because I don't have enough time and it creates a stress. And you're like, well, that could be my sacrifice is that I don't have enough time to do all these things. It doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> if your sacrifice is, I'm going to sacrifice going um, go grocery shopping three times a week. And in place of that, I'm going to read my books. Sure. That's fine. But like the, the stress that comes out of it, it's not that's not what it's designed for. It's not how it should be. Does that make it more, I think it would, maybe it's not a question, but I would think maybe it's more of a place that we would kind of fall on our face a little bit in a sense, because then we would give up giving up because yeah, right, yeah. or give up doing too much because we would be so overwhelmed with doing too much in a sense. Right. Exactly. And if, if it's that way, you know, you can reframe it that, oh, I don't have enough time to do all of these books. My light and sacrifice could be giving up saying yes to the things that I don't need to. So it could just be taking, taking the things that might seem very like superficial, but of course there's going to be a lesson in everything that you're, you're doing anyway. Maybe it's putting boundaries down with your schedule or building in extra time that you're spending, I don't know, on social media or something like that, where you can replace it for what actually is supposed to be your Latin sacrifice. Right. Do you remember what happened on my Lenten sacrifice last year? <laughs> oh yeah, I do. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> why, don't you, right? why don't you explain the story? Yeah. So last year we were going into, 
we had to meet, we had a meeting, a family meeting somewhere earlier in the day. And so our only mass, mass we were able to attend for Ash Wednesday service was at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And I don't actually think we were going even for mass. I think it was distribution of the ashes, right? And we had not eaten lunch and we grabbed lunch and we were sitting in the parking lot of church before the service started because it's just been a really long day. And after I got home from, we got, we were kind of made fun of for having rushed in with the pizza in the parking lot, basically. And then I get home and dad and I decided to take a walk and it was 20 degrees outside, a little too cold to walk with bad ankles. And I injured my ankle and was walking through Lent, haha, with a boot on my ankle. So I wasn't (laughs) even really able to get to all the things that I wanted to get to anyway. So I had these great plans like this of doing all the things, trying to attend this and trying to attend that and mass every day. And I couldn't even drive. So that was kind of the beginning of my Lent, Lent and Lent, if you will. Right. The very Lenty Lent. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so this year my plan was, okay, I'll be able to get back to mass a little bit more. And so I guess the, the point I'm making is, you know, sometimes our encounter with God doesn't have to be in the way that we even think. Maybe he has a different plan for what he thinks will help sanctify our, our situation and our, our hearts a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you're probably searching to tell me something right here. I think your eyes are telling me you have something you want to say. Yeah. I'm just looking at my like go-to Catholic books. The first one is the Catholic All Year Compendium by Kendra so Joni. Catholic liturgical living book. Yes, Com- it is. And her, her second in command is the Catholic All Year Prayer Companion also by Kendra. But it was funny because she's explaining this whole section about like the beginner, intermediate and advanced levels of how you can lend. (laughs) And so I'm just going to note that all the books that we've talked about will be written written in the show notes below. Yes. Yes. And linked for address. And linked for, yes. Yes. I mean, here's what we were saying about like the sacrifice. It's like, it also depends on what season of life you're in. Cause like, we're not obviously going to ask a mom to do who with young kids to do the following. So for the beginning stages of Lent, you can, first of all, don't take the best parking spot available in the parking lot for the more intermediate, take the worst parking spot you can find. But for the very advanced Lent, don't drive, walk. But in a, in a season with a mom with young kids or somebody who's a caregiver and can't park in the worst parking spot, you would do something that requires other sacrifices in your life. Well, that's um, such a cool, like just a great visual, the parking lot, right? I mean, it's yeah. not, not truly just about the parking lot and hopping into church that way, but right? in your, where you're parking yourself in life in a way, right? Exactly. Yeah, there's other ones like read Sunday readings before you go to mass, read the Bible every day and read the catechism every day for the advanced version, which that's not always easy (laughs) to read the catechism every day or at all. But I don't know. I just think, like I was saying, it just depends on your season of life. And for you right now, quite possibly your sacrifice could be not being able to go to mass and having to find alternate ways to live out your faith besides going to church. Well, I think that it's true, right? Because mass weekend mass has even been limited for us. We've taken your sisters and they'll go. And then sometimes we wait in the parking lot. It's a little sneaky trick here. And then, you know, the gift of the priest, you know, they're able to, and they're able to bring us communion mm-hmm. or Eucharistic minister, extraordinary right. minister will bring that to us in their extraordinary ways. And I think 
well, there's a reason why we do the parking lot because it's just easier for your dad right now in, in yeah. so many ways. But what I feel like is recently I've been called to this prayer, prayer, prayer. And I, like, what it just keeps on, on my heart. And I, after I'm reading this book and just, you know, over the last few days have been really opening, something is continually opening my mind to mm-hmm. prayer. And I feel like that needs to be what my, my Lent is going to be like is more of interior. And I have a few books, one that I'll bring up later when we talk about our saint and the other book, which is your St. Francis de Sales book, the treatise on Divine the love, love of God, which, oh, yeah. oh, such a good book. I have so much I could read and say about that, but we'll go to, you know, come back to that. It's not even really <laughs> necessary for this, but even reading. And, and as you were talking about the catechism, I think it's really important to kind of connect back to that. If you are Catholic and you want to learn more about the, the church and the magisterium and the, the, where the church foundation is part of. And when I was taking my courses last year, it's, it's something that I think in our faith um, journey, if you were a cradle Catholic, which I was not, and you are, and we have, you know, some thoughts down the road, we'll be sharing on, you know, raising a cradle Catholic when you're a convert, like I am, and where mm-hmm. you, how, how you do that in a way that really honors the, the faith. And some of that comes from when I, you know, not that you need to be a person that takes a course to do that, but when you're trying to understand a faith and raise people in that faith, you want to do it the best you can, not to the point of, you know, drawing blood, but you want to be able to do it the best you can so that you're, you know, being honorable and honest and truthful about how that's coming about. And I think people I see from afar, the catechizing of people, there's a big word, (laughs) has not been done in, in the way that I think it could have been. And I think that's just something that it just over time has just altered and been altered and, and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately to the detriment of people's truth, truthful understanding of what the Catholic faith is about. Yeah. And, and it's been watered down and there's all those words that, you know, lukewarm, whatever. I'm not judging anything. Cause I don't know. I didn't grow up that way. It's just an assessment from afar that I think people are coming from a place of misunderstanding. And I think going back to a catechism is a great way to maybe just be so simple in what we're trying to do with Lent, you Mm -hmm. know, and if you have a catechism and you have a Bible, I don't know how much more you really need to, to get through Lent. No, (laughs) there's there's so many things and we will kind of bring up a few things before we end this episode, but I think there's so many things you can do. And there's so many great resources, like the book you even, you were just reading Mm -hmm. Know, with Kendra Tierney's Catholic All Year Compendium, but there, but there's also so many things like just reading the Bible and staying on top of the Gospels each day, and or you know yeah. listening to a yeah. Bible in your podcast, like we've talked about, and mm-hmm. just trying to understand in a deeper way that maybe these books or the books, the Word of God, really is the place that gives you the most understanding of of God and the tradition, right? Yeah, there's your scripture and tradition right there is the catechism and the Bible. And the catechism is not always easy to start reading. I didn't read it. I really didn't read it until I was in high school and even more in college. But there is so many things in there. There are so many things in there that answer questions people have, no matter what they are. Um, 
like, what does the church believe about this? And what does it believe about that? All the answers are in the catechism and it's very well organized. Or (laughs) maybe a Lenten sacrifice would be reciting the Nicene Creed every day is like, what do I believe about my faith? It's all right there in the catechism. Absolutely. And in the Nicene Creed. And just sort of those basic things really there's there's sacrifices, but they're you know a, a gift in the sacrifice about learning a little bit more or relearning or reverting or whatever your your faith to understand it from a deeper perspective, right? I mean, yeah. what is what is our favorite our favorite priest always say at our home church? He says, "Why don't people just come for the free Jesus?" <laughs> <laughs> right? He says that often to us. They just they they just come for just come for Jesus and what he's got to offer. And, and that mm-hmm. seems so radically simple, right? Yeah. But it's the radical part that people don't understand. It's like, it's almost too simple. You radical know? simple. Yes. Like, it's, what, it's like what, what do you much. think he means? But what does he mean by that? It's he's, you know, don't come for the palms just for Palm Sunday. Don't come for this or that, but come for, just come to be with Jesus. Just come and sit and listen to the words and just be present for, for God, the way he's present for you. Exactly. Isn't that a sacrifice of its own? Like if you are really coming to mass or you're really coming to encounter the Bible and you're listening to Mm -hmm. God while you're doing that, isn't that just the most powerful thing that you can do and just sit and listen in solitude and silence? Yeah. Rather than going to just check off your box for the weekend of doing so, um, going there like wholeheartedly open and listen because sometimes that's where we encounter God the most it's where people I mean obviously if you're receiving communion yes of course like you're gonna (laughs) encounter God quite literally in the body and blood yeah but what other what other Lent resources are you looking to this season do you have a list well I don't I have a list of things that I know we have available but what I'm doing with them I guess we'll just be you know trying to add in I, I always start my day with two things and either they are live when I do them or they are replay pretty quickly after the live. If my schedule, <laughs> for it, right. Yep. So every morning at seven 30 Eastern time, many hail Mary's has a rosary that's on yep. Instagram. And I think they also have a YouTube of that loaded as well, which we can connect the mm-hmm. YouTube um, channel to this here as yes. well. And they invite a guest on, or sometimes it's just Kristen, Caroline, or Jill. Kristen and Jill are the sisters who started this mm-hmm. a few years ago. I recall the very first time that they had their first live rosary. It was comical <laughs> and they did it as a kind of, I don't know, and they were laughing most of the time and it was beautiful. And it, since then, I don't know how many people they have following them and how many rosaries they've prayed, which is really the point, not who they follow or who follows them, but just a lot <laughs> a million or so two million. I don't even know how many rosaries since that point. Yeah, they've prayed. A lot. You and I both been on their prayer, praying with them. I was last year, right, right before the day before my birthday. And then just, what was the, just a couple of days before dad's Christmas. Well, that was after Christmas. It was over your break, but it was in yeah. January. Right. So it was just like, like five days before his MRI, which at some point we'll share a little bit more about that. I think it's going to come on a blog post very soon and then take up and read mm-hmm. um, has a ministry and every day Elizabeth Faust or Michaela 
Dar, who she works with, they have, they read the gospel or the readings for the day. And and they just do like, I don't even think it's 10 minutes and just kind of give a perspective on that. And they also have a ministry that is a membership ministry and they meet every Thursday. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty certain though, I haven't gotten myself together with it yet, that they're doing some wellness portion for Lent that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think they're doing inside of the ministry. So those two things are excellent ways. They, they, the min- the ministry of the membership does have a charge, but the two things are free things that you can do every day. There are two other little accounts that we love, Novena cards and Pray More mm-hmm. Novenas that yep. you can, if you're interested in doing Novenas through Lent to just kind of guide your prayer life. And I know um, sac- every Sacred Sunday, you wanted to talk about that because I think you have that book that you got for Christmas, right? Yes. Thank you. Santa mom. Yes. Every Sacred Sunday is awesome. It's, it's a mass book, mass journal. Just for Sundays though, right? For Sundays. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is not bad. Sometimes I feel like it's the Sunday readings that I need a little bit more help with and everything. It's very, very simple. Just has, you know, the first reading, the, the responsorial, a second reading and the gospel. And then it gives you space to journal and it's not unusual <laughs> on campus to see people jotting down notes during the, the homily, but sometimes it's not even me taking notes on the homily, but just like using that time to reflect on the readings. And it helps when I'm, you know, writing my weekly newsletters for uh, Catholic all year, just to have that as a reference point. So every Sacred Sunday's Mass Journal is awesome. It is very, very, and it's a beautiful bound book as well. So like nice. Keepsake. Your sisters have been disciplined in using that as well. Of course, that's going to be something that extends before and beyond Lent, right? Because it starts at the beginning of, you know, the, the, the calendar year or that not the calendar though. So that's, those are beautiful options. Of course you have Hallow where you can encounter any like 40 day Lent prayer challenges they have on there. You were telling they have one coming up. Yes. The Lent pray 40. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be Jonathan Rumi with Jim Caviezel this year. Both play Jesus in their uh, respective roles in The Chosen and The Passion as well. So both are really awesome. (laughs) Chosen's great series and Passion's a great movie. Holy moly. And Jonathan prays with us in the Palo app often in our house. He does. (laughs) Yes. Not live, unfortunately. No, not live. His recorded voice. It's very, very calming to listen to him before I go to bed. Especially when he drops into that little accent that he has on the on the actual show so funny because he doesn't sound like that in person when we met him in person no not at all i was waiting for him to start speaking in (laughs) whatever voice in his jesus voice yes Yes. but he still has a very peaceful voice no matter what i think there are the blessed is she i do they they have a lent devotional book and i we bought them last year and we love them i just did not do that this year because the girls and I decided we were just going to use maybe Kendra's yes. from Catholic all year. Yes. And it comes with the membership of Catholic all year um, or yes. purchase that separately. Right. Yes. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about that since you know more <laughs> about it than I do, but I know I'm going to print it and it'll be our guide for the girls to just kind of do their religion focus, theology focus for the rest of the semester or during Lent for their schoolwork. Yeah. No, I'm really excited about it. We've been working on it for a little bit. It's it's a workbook essentially designed for people who are wanting to commit um, to daily contemplation during Lent. We've created prompts every day from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday just to be intentional in our relationship with God this year. It's 68 pages long. It's printable and it'll give you just a breakdown of you know how to 
fast, give alms and pray. We have quizzes on what we should give up for Lent and fasting sacrifice ideas, daily journaling prompts. And we've got a lot of saint quotes in there. We have coloring pages just to make it meditative while you're praying. It's I'm very excited. I think it's going to be awesome. And it's available in two formats. You can either print it as like a 68 page book, or you can get it as a booklet instead. So I'm very excited and it's available on catholicallyear.com, mm-hmm. but there will be a drink link down in the show notes for you. And of course, there's a bunch of other books that people can read. I, I'm going to go back to the take up and read. They have, there's two books that we have. I believe that Elizabeth Foss wrote Above All is one of her Lent studies that she she did. She wrote a few years ago. I don't know what the year was that this was written on. Right. Real quick. 2017. Okay. And then she has the Hosanna book that was right. written in 2020. And actually, we saw that in the bookstore at Franciscan last weekend. Yes. And I was sending her pictures. Look what I found. I mean, how fun <laughs> is that? Uh, they're not, you know, they're not this year. They're not written for this year, but there's two books. They're both, I think, in Alexio Divina style, you know, reflection. Right. They are. For book, um, book studies, which are, they're great. You know, you can just go through and Hosanna, which, I don't remember if that's exactly that, but yep, yeah, it is. Yes. Okay. Well, and just to put this out there, if people don't know what Lexio Divina is, it's essentially praying with scripture. Usually you do it in like a, a three format. So you read it, you read the scripture, just kind of listen, ponder whatever you're doing, go back and write a reflection and then read it again and see if anything else sticks out to you. It's a really beautiful way to pray with the word of God. And it's not something that we I really understood until I got to high school. Um, and I'm really glad that I did. So what is it, the Latin words for it? Contemplia, <laughs> um, what is it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, there's there's um, oratio, which is like the oral part mm-hmm. of it. There's, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. It's the contemplatio, which yep, is like the, con- the contemplative part of it. And I think there's, I usually think there's one more. Medit- meditating. Oh, meditatio. Yep. <laughs> oratio, contemplatio, and meditatio that's right yes I'm gonna so, up my latin skills as the girl i know it's been now. so long since i've taken latin but thankfully it's there i'll be able to so. teach you when you get home now <laughs> oh, okay all right I'm up girls are college, learning right very slowly but we're learning yeah so i recommend trying lectio divina if you have not but it's it essentially means the divine word um in latin so that one i got right so. now you got that word right <laughs> that phrase is yeah. there anything else you would like to add about your Lent for, actually, I want to add one more story that I remember about just now about okay. giving up and sacrifice. So remember in September, we were at Abbey Fest, the, mm-hmm. the event where Matt Moore comes and a few other musical um, talents come and yes. to, to, I guess the, it's a fun, it was started as a fundraiser for the Abbey, the local Abbey here. And mm-hmm. um, what is this? Was that the fifth year that we just passed? I know we didn't have it last year with all the, you know, restrictions or whatever, but this September we did and Matt Lamar was there. And then that's when Jonathan Rumi was added to the, the lineup at the very last minute. And yeah. I think it altered the number of people coming. So yes, it's a, it's a day long thing. I think it starts at noon. They have tr- food trucks and then there's, you know, little tent sales. It's such a great this year was definitely a different vibe and i think it's just you know people adapting and coming back into gatherings of sorts in, mm-hmm. in september 
since our you know world has been thrown upside down by a pandemic. And we had mass and that's outdoor mass at four o'clock. And it was a beautiful mass. They ran out of the Eucharist and we were in line waiting and we were waiting, remember waiting, looking around like, wait, I guess they're going to split yeah. them up. I don't know. Where's the bread? <laughs> was that not a moment of like oh multiplying gosh. the bread and <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and it just, they, everyone was like at a loss, like nobody, there was no, I guess they just didn't have enough plan because there were many nope. more people than expected. Yeah. And talk about feeling so rejected, right? You know, we were unable to receive, so we felt more rejection than reception of any kind of communion, right? Yeah. And I know I remember going back to our seat on the grass and go, thinking, holy moly, I came for mass and we weren't even, you know, to receive you know, Jesus. And the thought that I kept coming back to was how many people throughout the world and in places we were not, we were much more fortunate in our community that after a certain amount of time, when the churches were no longer closed, that, you know, we were able to still get back to mass and Mm -hmm. some places. And I know there were a lot of people around the country in certain states that weren't able to receive communion. And I remember feeling that was the first time that I was feeling united to people that had that, that sacrifice and suffering that, you know, I, I just couldn't understand what that was like for them, you know, because I, I didn't have that taken away from me. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, it's almost like what my Lenten is still going to be experiencing, like, you know, an experience of like not being able to have that communion as frequently as I would like mm-hmm. um, getting to mass as when as much as I can, but not as often as I would like to right now. I think I would love to be in mass every day. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the priest after when I asked him, well, I need to go to mass tomorrow, you know, to be sure that I fulfilled that, you know, that the application. That's the word. Right. And he said, no, because you were already making your desire known that you were coming and it was not within your it wasn't your fault that the, the communion was not available to you that, you know, God knew your intention. He said, but, and I told him that I'd felt so deeply saddened by other people and they're, you know, connected to their experience. And he said, well, you should, that that's a ministry or something that you should share with other people. So I am right now. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Because I just, I remember thinking how, how hard that must be for people. And, you know, thinking about, my mom right before, you know, she, you know, right as community as um, the, the quarantine was happening, I guess. And how she said, I just want to get back to mass. And there were times where that wasn't even about the quarantine. It was just about her ability to be walking into a church, right. Cause of her mm-hmm. skills, her, her, her physical abilities and our ability to get to her. So I feel like for me in a way, and this might be something that I'm just considering that I want to offer that suffering of, of sorts to people who are in that position, even though I am in, in that position, but I think of people who aren't even able to have someone come to them, you know, in this Lenten yeah. season, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Beautiful. It's probably, sometimes people probably don't even realize that that's where they are right now and that you're acknowledging that to whoever's listening and just, you know, God, God carries the first to where they need to go. And same thing. It doesn't have to be right now the prayers might not be answered right now. He's outside of time that eventually somewhere along the way, that prayer is going to be carried to who needs it. So I agree with that. Beautiful. I agree. Yeah. Do you have a saint for the week and you're saying, I know chasers. it's time for St. Chasers. Yay. Saint I feel chasers. like we need to like 
intro transition music to saying chasers what with a um, gargoyle chant would you like me to chant oh gosh that's okay <laughs> I don't know be like this big i don't know no i know it's just be like but um saying chasers or something yeah. i don't know um who's my saint for this week i don't know honestly i am open to receiving whoever that might be this week but I feel like I feel like I deal with so many saints on a daily basis with just doing stuff for work and everything that it's hard to see okay this person is consistently pursuing me but I will say that divine mercy has been on my heart a lot this week we talked about this and I I think episode 99 that I said if I had to get a tattoo I would get a tattoo of divine mercy and I was really bored in class this week this week and you know Sorry to my professor, but I started drawing on my arm and I like I drew a divine mercy tattoo on my arm and I'm like, I really like it. It looks so pretty. But and then you sent me that picture and I thought, hmm, yeah. Go I, know. For it. <laughs> I know. I mean I could, but I just don't know if I ever would. But I definitely think that just the the whole concept of like blood and water coming into land is just very prevalent to me right now. So not a saint, but Jesus himself in divine mercy. And I can see that because yeah, I wrote about that divine mercy flower bouquet that was given to me. And yeah, I actually, it was thinking last Monday, it was given to me for a Valentine, St. Valentine gift, right? Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't able to receive flowers from your, your daddy. Yeah. You did it for him on proxy, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, but when she said it's a divine mercy bouquet it was red and white on, you know, and yeah. It's just so funny how as the day and the week went on, I needed his mercy because I was kind of a cranky person this week. Forgive <laughs> <laughs> me, Father, for I have sinned many days. Yeah. But my saint for the week is definitely Saint Charbel again. He cool. was yeah. powerful intercessor for us when dad's first surgery was coming down the road. And <laughs> for some reason. He's been showing up a little bit and so much so that when we were in school with you last week, I was in the bookstore and what's the book that I come up with that was drawn to in the same section, which you knew I would be in love is a radiant light. It's the life and words of St. Charbel. Yeah. He's, he's like a father, a Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio kind of. He is. um, He is. I mean, this guy, I don't know. He just reminds um, me of him a lot. Well, he does. Padre Pio reminds me of St. Charbel because he and he's Christ. had some healing volumes of healing attached to him in some, you know, crazy yes, ways. I know. It's so beautiful. And, wow. and how ironic that he came into light a little bit. And then later in the weekend, a, a mutual friend of ours, you know, a friend who's, we have a mutual friend, somehow we connected over the weekend last weekend and she's the person that has a very strong devotion to saint charbel herself and somehow yeah. she, she and i started having a conversation last week when i haven't really connected with her since last year right after dad's you know mri in december was showing us that the tumor might have been growing and you know mm-hmm. we didn't know if it was scar or what and yeah so it's kind of interesting but this book is pretty amazing and i think i quoted on one of my instagram posts back what day was it last week? Maybe six days ago. So whatever that day was almost a week ago. Yeah. I guess I read it after I was there. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love that. What's your Bible verse or saint quote for the week? I'm actually going to go with what the gospel for today. Yeah. You want to others. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, I mean, me that's going to be us going, <laughs> you too, that's going to be ours going forward as opposed to me looking back because I can't remember what last week's because last week was a blur, you know, you know what actually can step back and say that probably the one thing that would be is the, the sermon that was that the sermon on the plane, not the sermon on the mount. Yep. Not on the mount. I knew it was the plane. So, yep. Well, yes, exactly. So that in addition to today's gospel reading, that was also because it's talking. Okay. So it's the lesser known sermon on the plane. We have the sermon on the mount that's written in Matthew and we have the sermon on the plane from Luke and Luke's gospel recount right here. If you want me to read it, read the one section about the blessed and the blessed and the woes. Yes. So Jesus came down with the 12 and stood on a stretch of level ground, which is not the it's not about that's the plane. <laughs> a crowd of his disciples and a large number of people who people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes towards his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Mm-hmm. That one always catches me. Exactly. Yep. Right? Yeah. Blessed are you when people hate you. And when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the son of man, rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, because that alone, right? Exactly. And it, it, it connects to today's gospel too, in that he said, like, don't hate your enemies right today. And it connects back to what he said last week as well in that gospel. But it's, it's also, it's very real in the sense that like, Luke is recounting not just the blesseds, but the woes, like how life is both at the same Here's time. The you want to hear it's, the woe? Yeah. But woe to you who are rich, right. for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe mm-hmm. to you when you speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. So, yep, yep. So there's just the, the both, which of course we want to strive for the blessed, but sometimes we're going to end up being the woes too. Yeah. I really loved that gospel last week. I remember thinking the same thing, right? Because we were yeah. driving home from our visit and reading that and listening to probably my favorite father, Mike Schmitz and, yep. <laughs> and how, well, yeah. Yeah. So this is good. Different, a little bit different than the Sermon on the Mount and how it really just connects the story. Exactly. Yeah. As, as I was reading it to write um, my newsletter, I was like, this seems like the Sermon on the Mount, but it's not. It's definitely very different because a lot of the times the Gospels are very parallel in how they write things, very similar in their stories. But this one is definitely not the same. Yeah, I could go into whole biblical history, but I'm not going to do that now for the sake of time. Yes. Um, any closing thoughts or anything about oh, do you want to share share about our next week's um, possible guest? Yes. So next week's episode coming out on March 1st, we will be welcoming our first guest as a new joint podcast, Kenju Tierney. Of course, we talked about her today with her Catholic All Year Compendium and Prayer Companion. She is my wonderful client that I get to work on the team with her. And we will be going more in depth about Lent. And it'll be perfect because Lent starts the day after that, March 2nd. So mark so it on your calendars. Will we be having cake and um, 
donuts and wearing yes, our masks. Yes. And <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. Some call it Shrove Tuesday. What are the other? What we Shrove, know Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, all the Mardi things. Gras. So yes. we'll be we're coming with our our masks on from her box and yes, and, her mega box, her Lent mega box is very exciting. Um, so you tell her to to show up that way, and we'll use that as a picture when people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Yeah. Thank you. It was a blast to connect again with you. Oh, yes. And with all of you as well. Have a wonderful week and happy almost Lent, right? Happy almost Lent. All right. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye.